Hey, health tech founders, where do we go from here? It's 2023, and if you've been in this game of creating health tech solutions for a while, it kind of feels like that sugar rush of capital and excitement from investors has waned a little bit. You probably remember back in 2020 and 2021, the world was hungry for innovative ways to deliver healthcare, and we had the money to do it. And if you speak to hospital executives or clinic owners or investors, it kind of feels like the world's in a little bit of a wait and see moment. But Australia still needs a lot of innovation in healthcare. So what do we do? Well, with me today on the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Buzz Palmer and Mackenzie Thomas from MedTech Actuator. And in this episode, we talk about market dynamics, what's changed since 2022 in healthcare and startups, how do you raise capital, where the markets are at, and where you can find some good resources for founders. So, hey, this episode was actually recorded with video as well, and you can watch it on our website or our YouTube channel. And the introduction to it actually is quite different to the introduction I just gave to this episode now for the audio podcast. And you can follow me through the airport and see my journey from Sydney to Melbourne getting ready for this interview, and then see Mackenzie and Buzz on the video chatting to me in the studio in Melbourne. So go over, the link is in the show notes of this episode to watch the interview. And as we're trying to grow our audience over on YouTube, we'd love for you to subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know that I sent you from the audio podcast to go and watch on YouTube in the comments. Here we go. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it up. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode, or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Buzz McKenzie, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Yeah, really good. I mean, we should point out, Pia, this this is a first time for Mackenzie. She's a podcast virgin. This is the inaugural moment. Yeah, tiny slice. Last year, this is the first full episode, so I'm excited. Full on. We're at front and center, and we'll get to, um, to chat here in the MedTech Actuator studio that we've, uh, we've, we've created. So look, it's great to have you on the show with both Buzz and Mackenzie. For those that don't know, because Buzz, we spoke on the podcast about 185 years ago, mm. and that was about MedTech generally, but not so much about, well, I'd love to know from your side about what you're up to now with MedTech Actuator in 2023. Yeah, look, it's, it's been a really interesting ride for us. We're, we're entering our fifth birthday. So we, we okay. started in 2018. And, you know, we started with our flagship program, which is Accelerator, which, we, of course, we still run to this day. And we've had 66 startups come through there. So we've got a fairly hefty portfolio of really high-quality, exciting, health-based startups coming through that. And we're launching the, the Cohort 8 this year. But over that time, you know, we've expanded into Singapore. We're running programs out of Singapore. We're now moving into Japan. We're running programs out of Japan. We're working with Spain, we're working with India, we're working with Vietnam, uh, there's some of the uh, European countries working with. So really, we're, we're really pushing what we think are the boundaries of medtech innovation in the region. It's not just mm. Australia, but the Asia Pacific. We think there's a huge hunting ground of opportunity driving from countries within this region 
with the global context, of course. And so we're really trying to position ourselves as an Asia-Pacific organization to drive innovation from clinicians, from researchers, from garage inventors, and sort of capitalize that opportunity with programmatic elements. Yeah, no, I, I get that vibe too, seeing a lot of the content that, that goes out and the support you provide. And what's interesting too is you've got both this Asia-Pacific region feel, but also quite a localized, you know, presence here in Victoria, specifically a lot of great support to to startups and, and the medtech community here in Victoria. You're right. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, Victoria is quite unique in so many ways. It's not to say that other states aren't, but we're sort of Victoria born and bred. And so we get great support here from the government, from Launch Vic and from other partners, but with this national plus regional context. But there's so much opportunity here. I think, I mean, what we've seen over the last few years is this general openness towards healthcare. People being more aware of healthcare, people wanting to get more involved in healthcare, whether it's from professional or from personal perspectives. Mm. And so, you know, Victoria's a great place. It's a very open community here. Um, and everyone's willing to participate and to help and, and open up their black books of information, which is just fantastic. Yeah, gotcha. And Mackenzie, there's a number of different programs that MedTech Actuator run as well. Did you want to talk to me a little bit more about the, the types of programs that are run through throughout the year? Yeah, so essentially we run a handful of different programs in Australia and then also out of Singapore as well. But essentially we have our flagship accelerator program. So this is our main kind of commercialization vehicle that really supports early stage innovation coming out of medical spaces. So it can be from clinicians, researchers, anyone innovating in healthcare. And what we provide is a bespoke model of support for those teams. So it's typically a 12-month journey with us where they'll come in, they run through intensive sprints, they learn the ins and outs of medical commercialization. And then from there, they have access to um, an investment opportunity as well as specific industry support, connections to mentors, connections to industry partners like product partners like product development companies, but also a community of founders who are doing the same thing and going through the journey of building a startup. So you're not facing that alone um, and you have a soundboard to fall back on. You have our team and you have the other teams around you. So it's a really great program for anyone out there. And specifically applications are open for that at the moment and the cohort kicks off in May. So yeah, if you are interested, reach out to Mm. us. And then we also run a series of other programs. So we have MedTech Actuator Origin, which is all about the foundations of, you know, where do founders come from and where do these innovations emerge from? It's about your origin story, as Buzz likes to say. So that program is a shorter program that we run towards the end of the year and really helps people get dip their toes into the innovation space and see if the startup space is right for them. They can pressure test their ideas and take that to the market, get a bit of feedback, learn the basics and figure out what the next steps are before they really dive into um, their startups and want to take that, turbocharge that journey through something else like the Accelerator. We also run scholarship programs for researchers. So if you are uh, a researcher or a clinician or in an academic setting and you're kind of thinking about commercialization or you have a project and you're looking at what could I do? How could I get this into the market? That program essentially takes you through the journey. You get to see some startups do that from the sidelines. You don't have to get up on a stage and pitch your idea to investors or anything like crazy scary like that. Mm. But you can kind of go, what what would this journey be like for me? And how could I how could I do that and make that fit in with my career and what I want to achieve? So that's a really, really fun program for people interested in the commercialization space. And then we also have a number of programs that run out of yeah, our Singapore office. So looking at helping companies tap into international markets. So jump in, dive into the Singapore markets, learn the landscape, touch base with the ecosystem, wrap their head around those foundations and really make some traction as they try to scale internationally. Mm. And then we also do run that sort of in reverse. So coming back to Australia, 
We're doing it in other places as well this year. And then, of course, we run Origin in Japan. We did that last year, which was really cool. Okay. Kind of the only tourists who got to go into Japan for a little bit there uh, running the program. So that was really fun. And we worked with a handful of really great founders up in the Japanese medical innovation space, which mm. was, yeah, quite quite different. Japanese entrepreneurship is a little bit different to Australian entrepreneurship, the the you know capacity for risk, how the culture works. It was, yeah, quite an eye-opening experience. Did I miss anything? I Nothing probably right. no, did. No, that's good. That's good. That was a great. That was a great uh, insight. I'm learning myself. So this is just <laughs> yeah. great. Now, now I'm familiar with our. our, our All the very good. Now you can pitch it. Nice, nice. Yeah. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help. Yes, you to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. It's interesting that you brought up all those different stages that founders could be at and organizations could be because we're at an interesting time right now being in 2023. I guess one could say you've come off the back of a lot of excitement and interest and awareness around technology and healthcare and potentially a lot of investment opportunities. But then as we move into more kind of an economic climate of people talk about recessions or inflation and difficult to, to everyone's tightening the belts and discretionary spend and blah, blah, blah. It's a challenging time to be operating a business. And I imagine also for a startup, let alone a health tech startup, what are you seeing as a current sentiment in 2023 when it comes to startups and, and healthcare? It's a really interesting question. You'll ask that question to 10 different people and you'll get 10 different answers. So there's a lot of kind of predictions and mm. uh, we know we know it's a market cycle. So we know for the next six months, we're going to see something a little bit different, a little bit of tightening of belts. And we're, we're starting to see it perhaps in the angel investment space. So individuals that are investing are certainly sort of pulling back just a little bit, just to make sure that they've got uh, their own cash flow and sure. checking their savings, interest inflation, all this sort of thing is happening. And so there's a little bit of difficulty there. But in healthcare, I mean, the advantage that the healthcare startups have is that, you know, they're driving impact. And so this is other area of funding capability around in that impact investment space. And of course, we've seen a lot of family offices, impact groups now moving towards investment into startups rather than just philanthropy mm. into startups. And so this is, a, this is a movement we've been seeing over the last few years. And I would say in the last two years, we're seeing the doors open more significantly with that as well. And so if you can justify, identify what impact you're bringing to human society. And it's not about deprivation. Traditionally, impact's been around deprivation with humans. Now it's about actually 
if we're if we're doing a new cancer diagnostic, then it's available to everybody in the world. That's true human flourishing impact. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that. Those gates have been uh, opened, and and there's some wonderful opportunities out there for startups. The venture capital space is also interesting. You know, there's there's a lot of capital around. We are seeing a slowing of investment coming through. But in saying that, the startups in our portfolio are raising, and they're raising fairly big sums as well. Mm. So I think part of it is 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 being prepared and having a good understanding about the market dynamics, but also having a good understanding about what those venture capitalists are looking for and how they're looking for it and the timeframes in which they're looking for it. Uh, and so, yes, we are seeing a slowing in the angel and so the pre-seed and the seed stages, but certainly the venture capital, we're not really seeing that as of yet. And yet the prediction is we're going to see a real tightening of that space. Maybe that will happen and maybe in the next few months we'll see that, but right now we're not we're not seeing it yet. Yeah, a lot of a lot of crystal bowling there, and and and, and that that does happen within the ecosystem. I'm interested too, given that you've got a growing presence and awareness in the Asia Pacific region as well. Is this the same sentiment outside of Australia too? Well, it's, it's a little bit different, uh, and, and partly it's different because of the way that governments are also involved in some of those incentives that were around in other regions. So here in Australia, we've got some great sovereign funds. They're slow, they're risk averse, and we're not quite seeing the impact of those in the community just yet. And hopefully that will happen this year. But in other countries, like Singapore, of course, there's the great initiatives that uh, governments put forward to support venture capitalists and angels to contribute to startups. You see a much... Uh, a much larger contribution of individual investors, high net worths, family offices in the Singapore region. Interestingly, uh, I heard that in the last two years, 1,200 family offices have moved from Hong Kong and China over to Singapore. So you've got a much greater breadth of family offices now in that particular space. So a great area uh, mm. to, to try and raise capital. So we're not seeing a slowing down there as of yet. The interesting one for us is is Japan. So Japan has traditionally been a fairly closed market. It's been very difficult to get access to Japan. And you find technologies in Japan that are just in Japan. They don't have this kind of global context. And this is kind of mind-boggling in so many ways. But they also realized that there, you know, in, in the 1990s, they were the tech kings of the world. Everybody wanted to be Japan. And in 2020, well, they've been overtaken by so many different countries. Their innovation is in decline. And so they're having to take a very different strategy to how they approach innovation, how they think about not just medical innovation, but innovation in general. So you're seeing a huge amount of influence from government coming into the venture capital space, coming into the, into the angel space. Uh, you're seeing incentives, both capital and infrastructural incentives coming through. So they're trying to do something a little bit different. There's lots of barriers, of course, language, culture, regulatory. There's all these different kinds mm -hmm. of barriers coming through. But what we are seeing in certain areas of Singapore and Japan is a much greater drive towards consumer medtech. So this idea that individuals are taking yeah. charge of their own healthcare, and you know they've got technologies there to support that in a far more sophisticated way than we have here in Australia right mm -hmm. now, uh, and so you know they're they're seeing these technologies that are coming through that are driven by the consumer market. So they're driven by individuals purchasing, buying, advancing the need or the want of these technologies in a far more sophisticated way. And so that's really very exciting. And so here in Australia, we're also seeing this move towards consumer healthcare, consumer health tech, whatever you want to call it. Whether Australia is ready to adopt that just yet, I'm not so sure. But there's lots of other countries in this region that are. Yeah. And, and they're set up slightly differently. That's really interesting about the, the consumer-facing healthcare stuff because, you know, you think typically, like you say, in Australia, w whether we've fully adopted that, that type of thinking and, and that trajectory is there, often that conversation goes to, well, who's going to pay for it? The funding's not there and that's not how the healthcare system's remunerated. Is there is there a remuneration thing in Japan that, that means that that type of thing is, is covered more or is it something else? I don't think so. I think it's possibly around the way that the, the Japanese culture is to technology and maybe how motive, 
motivated or not necessarily for the remuneration, but motivated they are around healthcare and with their aging population as well. I think they've faced a lot of the challenges that Australia and other nations will face in the coming years and Mm. coming decades. And so they're aware of those challenges, possibly before the pandemic, and are now looking to solve those and then turning to startups or innovation um, to answer a lot of the problems that they have within their own culture. They've also... Interestingly, a couple of things we found out when we were looking into this Japanese landscape is, yeah, the, their risk aversion and their attitude towards investment was quite different. And that posed some really interesting challenges with working with them as mm. uh, their startup ecosystem. You know, typically the Japanese, Japanese startups like to go to IPO really early. And so going into that space, they're looking to exit their startups as soon as possible and, you yeah. know, get listed on the Japanese stock exchange. So it's really different space and so I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly about how the sort of health care mm. works in that in that landscape and how the attitudes are but yeah it's really I, interesting. I hear you about the the, the cultural thing because I I would agree that, that that seems quite culturally aligned with how mm. they would operate in, in Japan too so it, it, it's reassuring at least to, to think from a healthcare provider's perspective that it doesn't necessarily always come back to, like the funding piece is really important but there are other factors too to consider when looking at launching your your startup into particular markets and understanding mm-hmm. the dynamics within the culture like the the opportunity that exists there so being aware of what's around and having useful resources will be really important too but that can be overwhelming in itself from a founder's perspective knowing where to look for this kind of information where does a founder go to get resources and get across what's happening in different parts of the health tech ecosystem? I think when you look specifically at health tech, there's a few really great resources. Obviously, listening to Talking Health Tech is nice. a great, great place that's, to that's start. That's number one, that right? Was, that's where we yeah, start. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, that's top of the list. It took us 10 minutes to get there, but we've got to find That's good. No, no, no. <laughs> so, first, yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, pod, like resources that are available, there's quite a few really great um, healthcare-focused podcasts. If you are particularly a startup in the space, um, and in Australia, speaking specifically, we have, you know, fantastic What the Health um, community as well is a really great space. I feel that finding people who are doing something similar to what mm. you're looking to do or at least have the openness to innovation and, and to startups and are interested in that area, you can jump into that kind of wave and ride that for a little while and, you know, meet other people and get those connections. So What the Health is a really great community. They also have a fantastic list of just a list of resources for healthcare startups. Uh, If you can dig that up, it's sort of a Google Doc that's been around for a while, but that has like everything you need to know about where to go and find resources. But there's also, depending on where you are within the startup ecosystem, there are particular programs that are specific. So at MedTech Actuator, we work with a lot of regulated devices, wearables, diagnostic tools, things used in allied health and hospital settings. And so that's our bread and butter. We also have expanded that definition to include health tech in and a bit of biotech in recent years as the market's shifted. But if you have a disability tech, then it makes sense for you to turn to Remarkable, who are based in Sydney. They have a fantastic set of programs and advisors for people in the disability space. Mm. And then there are also, you know, female-led programs that you can go to. So Femtech Collective, if you do have something more in that space, also Sydney-based, but a global network. And then, yeah, there's heaps of others that are out there. If you're a diverse founder, um, there's Anyone Can programs that provide opportunities for people who are coming from diverse backgrounds as well. So depending on where you fit, what you're 
doing in the ecosystem. There's a lot of different resources out there, but tap into the networks and tap into the people. You'll be surprised to find where where a LinkedIn DM can go or a membership to, you know, what the health or talking health tech uh, can do. And then you kind of just keep rolling from one to the other. I, that's what I love about the startup space. Everyone mm. wants to pass you on to someone. <laughs> yeah. It's really, yeah, it's really nice. It, it, it's quite collaborative. Yeah, no, it's that, that's really good. And through the lens of thinking about, I guess, putting all that into perspective and thinking about Accelerate coming up. So there could be founders that are at a particular stage, heard that the Accelerate is open to yep. apply. Remind me who it's for and what they're going to get out of it and all the details when they need to get their applications in, all the bits and pieces. I can take this one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, as as the program manager, I can take this one. So essentially, yeah, the accelerator is open to um, anyone with a healthcare innovation that's at that sort of TRL4 stage. Um, So we're looking at... For those that um, don't know, what's TRL4? Uh, so that's around sort of when you're bench testing, early stage bench testing, and then um, when you have a decent proof of concept, essentially. So we're looking for people who are able to identify that they have a good problem solution fit. Um, so they've identified a clinical need um, out in the healthcare world, and they really want to innovate within that space, and they have a solution that fits that need. And so they're able to speak to who their customer is. They don't need to know everything. We don't absolutely don't expect people to come in with fully formed pitch decks and ready to ask for investment or anything. But you need to understand the basics around what you're trying to take to the market. Mm-hmm. It can be anyone, really. If you've had a personal experience with an issue, we see a lot of people coming um, from that space. They might have a um, healthcare background. They might have worked in the sector before, but maybe they've just have a, they have a lived experience. Possibly it could be an academic or a researcher, someone who's looking to commercialise a project that they've been working on for a long time, a subject matter expert. But yeah, essentially a, an array of different people from all different walks of life, um, but having a good sense of the the technology that they're trying to drive and, and an idea of where they want to take it, but also an understanding that they need support and that they are ready to learn and to really take that to the next level. So someone who has the capacity to commit to a, a long-term program. So as I said earlier, it is 12 months long. It's flexible in how you commit to it and you we expect that people would have team members to help manage the workload to you know lean on but essentially we run the first six months is we do sprints so these are typically three days long at the on the first week of every month and we'll take you through sort of all the ins and outs it can be everything from you know how do you build a team what are those core elements that you need to have sorted out um, within your team before you move forward to how what is your regulatory pathway and what's your strategy behind that? And as well as reimbursement, we look at product development depending on what you're developing. Mm. Um, we can also look at, you know, do you have to have a, a more detailed technology strategy if you are building a sort of health tech solution? And many, many more topics within that. That's a very, very brief overview and Buzz could probably add in more if you want to throw in something. I mean, just very quickly, I think it's, it's worth pointing out, it's a, it's a venture development accelerator. So lots of accelerators around knowledge development. So we can give you a textbook of information and you're expected to do something with that. You're meant mm-hmm. to act on that. It doesn't work in entrepreneurship and startups. You can, if you want to play soccer, you could read every possible book in the world on soccer. It doesn't mean you're going to go into a pitch and be able to be a world-class soccer player. Mm-hmm. However, in startups, you need to be a world-class entrepreneur, right? There's this expectation that you've got to be able to do it. So it really the accelerator is about venture development and skills development. We teach you how to be an entrepreneur, how to be a founder, how to commercialize technology, and not just give you the theory behind it. Because mm. that's the key mm. difference, I think. We can all read a book, but actually doing it is something very different. Yes, absolutely. And as you were saying that too, I'm like, well, th- this is quite a specific pocket that we're talking about, but that's 
that's quite good. And that's why you've got different programs because sometimes there can be quite a broad reach, like a yeah. general kind of thing. But then you've got participants who are at different stages. They, they haven't even started their thing through to, you know, the, they've done a round of funding and, yeah. and then it's hard to kind of relate. But if you're going through the journey with others, that makes it a bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of really generalist programs out there that are fantastic and mm. that you can get, you know, some non-dilutive equity funding through or if you're attached to a university, like definitely have a look at the, the startup spaces there. But if you want something that is that connects you to the industry, mm. that provides you access to investment that is focused on healthcare, that also has a group of health founders also in healthcare, then MedTech actually is a really great place for that. When you get that bespoke bottle, you get that support um, to mm. move forward in a really structured and strategic way. Nice. Lastly, bring us home, Buzz, thinking about then putting a, a cap on it, thinking about 2023 with startup founders looking ahead at the calendar feeling a little bit more reassured now now that they've heard your dulcet tones telling them about the the ecosystem dulcet tones is that, is that right <laughs> do, you want me, do you want me to pick it up a little bit <laughs> let's hear some of that fm radio from, from back in the uk but the um summarize then the outlook for 2023 what should founders be focusing on and startups uh, in the healthcare space in in 2023 to really thrive yeah, look, I think I think twenty twenty three is going to be a very exciting year. Uh, yes, we're starting off with some some awkward market dynamics, but actually, we're still coming out of this pandemic moment. So there's still mm. a, a, a genuine appetite to draw down on opportunities within this space. Megan from St. Vincent often says that post-war and post-pandemic, you see a decade of innovation, and that's usually health innovation. We're right at the precipice of that right now. Mm. We're starting to see you know, capital markets open. We're starting to see countries open. We're starting to see people more aware of the healthcare systems. And so we're seeing, I think we will see a drive in adoption of technologies and adoption of new opportunities in the healthcare space. The investment space is going to be a little bit drier, I think. We just have to accept the fact that the next few months are going to be a little bit turmoil, a little bit uncertain. And so founders just really need to uh, so perhaps broaden a little bit their uh, expectations, broaden their access, and open up new networks uh, yes. as well. Amazing. Well, look, Buzz McKenzie, I appreciate you making the time to have a chat with me. We'll put the details for Accelerate in the show notes of this episode or in the comments below for people to check out and get in touch as well and check out the MedTech Actuator presence on the Talking Health Tech website as well. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to chatting again on the show soon. Thank you Thank very you much. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy you a coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.